Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is number 735 for July 6th, 2022. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is author Molly DeFrank. She has written a book called Digital Detox, The Two-Week Tech Reset for Kids. Now, the audience for my podcast are very enthusiastic about tech, so this is probably going to be really mean and crazy to them to think of even the idea of taking tech away from children. But uh, I, I definitely want to welcome uh, Molly DeFrank to the show anyway. Welcome, Molly. Hey, Allison. Thanks for having me. All right. To spice up this interview, I've asked my daughter, Lindsay, to join us. Uh, Lindsay has a five-year-old and a two-year-old. She's read at least some of Molly's book, and she's implemented some of the ideas. And so I was hoping she could be kind of a foil in here to help uh, ask some questions of Molly. Welcome to the show. Back to the show, Lindsay. Hi there. Good to be back. So um, I do want to tell you guys a little bit about Molly. Molly happens to be my niece. Now, I really, really hate Molly because she's brilliant. She is gorgeous. She's an author. She's raising six humans along with her awesome husband. And you can't even hate her because she's really, really nice. And she makes you feel like you're the most interesting person in the world when you're talking to her. So I really want to hate her. And I never achieve that goal. I, I promised I'd embarrass her without that at the beginning of the show here. Uh, you're too kind with your words, but you really are super interesting. So are your kids, Allison. It's it's good stuff. I always love talking with you. Oh, very good. Very good. All right. So, uh, Molly, start us out with a little bit of your background, what you've done in your career and life and stuff to get you to the point where you are today. Yeah, um, I was born and raised in Southern California. And I went up to school in Northern California and interned at the governor's office back way back when Arnold was governor. Um, and then I got a job working for him right out of college. I worked in his press office. So I was a press aide. I wrote for him, did his press stuff and, and then did some more press stuff in Sacramento for some other statewide elected officials. And after my second child was born, I put all that away and um, decided to stay home and raise my kids. And so we have six kids right now within seven years of each other. So we are a busy people. Um, they range in age from five to 12. My oldest is entering junior high school this year. So that is so exciting. They're really amazing kids. Um, I should mention two, four of those are ours biologically and two came to us through foster care and adoption. So that's a little bit about me. What I love about Molly is as she's having all these children and and uh, and excelling at this, she's thinking, hey, I've got a lot of free time on my hands. I think I'll write a book, right? <laughs> well, I've writing is just part of I've always enjoyed writing. It's I, I did it professionally and um, I mom blogged a little, um, you know, when I was working and having kids. But it wasn't until a couple of years ago, I, I started sharing online. We we pulled the plug on all of our kids' electronics. And like most parents, we were we kind of bought in early to this digital entertainment for our kids. It seemed really convenient to pull out a tablet in a restaurant, or if you need to take a phone call, you just, you know, throw on Netflix. I mean, and to be fair, my oldest, when Sayla was born, she's 12, she'll be 13. Netflix was not streaming. It was like, you get the discs in the mail and you put them in the envelope and mail it back. You could either have like a two disc plan um, <laughs> at a time or three. Old so, you days. Know, the, <laughs> old way back when, but um, you know, we bought into all that technology. We loved it. We used it until we started seeing some negative effects when the screen would turn off, when you have to take the iPad away, they would melt down. And I would get these nudges over time, like something's off. Why can they transition from a puzzle to coloring seamlessly? But then you try and turn off the screen and it's like they're, you're looking at a zombie creature. 
And so I, I shared some of that online in my writing and it, and it kind of blew up and I found a lot of parents were struggling with the exact same issue. And so I, we, we, when we had pulled the plug on our kids, we saw immediate transformation almost overnight. And I found a path through all of this digital entertainment overload. I started helping parents, first friends, then strangers over the internet. And we found that universally you can actually fix this problem and um, put technology in its right place for your kids in your home. Lindsay, you got interested in this, but my grandson Forbes can do no wrong. He is he is a perfect young man uh, and and never has any poor behaviors. Uh, you didn't experience any of this, did you? No, never. Um, he, I completely agree. He is perfect. Has never had a single flaw. Um, <laughs> although uh, <laughs> the pod feet herself can attest to the fact that he has some challenging behaviors that seemingly come out of nowhere. And um, I didn't immediately relate them back to technology, but I started to see a pattern of long periods of screen time, specifically zoning out on YouTube, um, that after, you know, even an hour or two hours after that, I was getting these behaviors from him that that just made no sense. They, they didn't, he couldn't keep his attention. Um, he, he had problems in school, keeping his attention, um, that we've been working on. Uh, but also the just snappiness and unhappiness that, that I couldn't place where that was coming from. And so that's where I kind of resonated with the initial messages that Molly was sending out before the book was written, that maybe there was something related to screen time with his behaviors um, that seemed irrational at the time, but now I'm starting to figure them out. That's really, really interesting. Um, I also have observed that when he's on screens, he is laser focused on that. You can't get his attention. If he's playing Minecraft, there nothing in the world even exists other than that. And that seemed odd that that I mean, most humans I know can disconnect for, you know, immediately. You can stop it and pause and go have a conversation, and go back, but he he can't. Yeah. And I think that's where there's one piece in Molly's book. Hopefully I'm not not zooming forward too much, but technology or screens were different when we were children. And when we we were watching TV, Saturday morning cartoons, such a special time, but there was an end. It was half an hour of, of that show. And then you either didn't like the next show that came on and walked away or you figured something out. But now with streaming, it, it, the content just keeps coming and it'll roll into itself and never stop unless you put it in its rightful place. Okay. All right. Molly, you obviously have a lot of, uh, you have a large sample set with six children to experiment on here. Um, did, did you see these same kind of behaviors that, that Lindsay's talking about, this long-term effect even hours after they've been uh, on screens? Absolutely. And um, yeah, just like what Lindsay described, we saw that in our young kids. My, um, we did, our initial detox was three years ago, I want to say. So pre-COVID, um, and yeah, it was, it was almost impossible. Like you were saying to get our kids attention. If they were watching a, a TV program, YouTube, whatever it is, playing a video game. Um, and those sibling fights were like next level, you know, and I'm the youngest of four kids. I've seen sibling fights. I can hold my own. <laughs> I know what they look like, but these are like, whoa, Nellie, 
something is crazy. The kids are way amped up. Um, and, and like Lindsay too, for, for a while, I couldn't pinpoint, oh, this is, it's this electronics doing this to them. I didn't know that frankly, between my husband and I, we were like, well, is it too much sugar? Are they not getting enough sleep? Why, why are they not themselves? This is not the sweet, precious child that was sitting on my lap when I was reading the story. What's going on? Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't until I was actually writing the book and had already seen the great way that this detox works. And then I started researching the why behind why it works and why the devices are hijacking our kids' brains. And there's really science to support it. Um, these devices, the, the tablets, the video games are purposefully engineered to release excessive amounts of dopamine in the brain and real life just can't compete with that level of dopamine. So if you're listening, if your child or grandchild is, um, complaining of boredom with non-screen activities, it's not really their fault. If they're falling apart, when you take the screen away, it's not entirely their fault. You're watching a dopamine crash in real time. In fact, dopamine receptors are starting to numb out because in the brain, because, um, we've never seen the levels of dopamine before um, that are being released by this kind of entertainment because the, the engineers that make it take what we know about human psychology and how the brain works and they bake those dopamine release points into the games and they do their job really well. They're really evil smart. geniuses. <laughs> exactly. So our kids need us to kind of step in and help them moderate this stuff. Um, maybe wait a little longer, start a little later. But what my encouragement to parents is that you can totally reverse the effects of this when your kids are little and no matter how old they are, you can take a break and start fresh and not to get rid of all technology forever. We love technology just like you guys, but it's just a matter of putting it in its right place. So you said up front that, uh, this book is more than just, um, here's everything that's wrong with screens and they're terrible and you should take them away. You actually have a plan that takes people through how to put technology in its rightful place, not just they never get screens again and you become Amish or something, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I happen to love technology and digital entertainment specifically. Um, I mentioned at the end of the book, my dad um, produced and wrote television shows that's put food on the table in our family. And so we really appreciate digital entertainment specifically. We love good movies, good TV shows, even video games. We have an arcade out in our garage. We like playing Mario Kart with the kids. There, there can be a really great place for all of this. Um, it's just that we're living in this time where we are drowning in digital entertainment. And sometimes parents, most parents I talk to say, we don't want to demonize all of it. It's not evil. Um, this technology, we just, we're drowning in it. So how do we sort through, you know, how to use it properly? So it's, it's serving our kids rather than us feeling like we're enslaved to this technology. And that's where a lot of families feel. They feel disconnected from their kids, their kids, you know, at the dinner table, their kids are scrolling. They're not, those conversations aren't being had. The kids aren't spending, kids today are actually spending one less hour face-to-face -face with each other per day than kids just you know, in the nineties, like me, when I grew up in the nineties and it's, the effects are really starting to show. We're seeing it with kids. Mental health is on the decline. Um, anxiety is through the roof. Um, kids need face-to-face -face connection. That's how we are wired. So this book helps families do that. Okay. So what you mentioned that you basically just took all the tech out of that or shut all the screens down in an act of, at the time, just desperation. Like I got to try something yeah. because these are, these are monsters to be living with right now. So let me, let me just shut it all down. At the time you didn't have a, a plan beyond that. Right. And you, you said you thought it would be really hard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just, a, and it, like you said, a fit of frustration 
I just, we pulled the plug completely. And the reason why was we were already doing the things good parents do. We were, we were putting the, setting the timers. We were, you know, putting a ceiling on it. And American Academy of Pediatrics is one to two hours a day. Okay. We did that. We'd set the timers. We were, you know, not just letting our kids sit in front of the TV all day long, but still we saw these behaviors that were, we didn't like, we didn't like, it wasn't bringing out the best in our kids. And so I thought, well, what else is left? Just let's unplug all of it. So we did that. And between David and I, I'm like, man, I can do this for two. I can hang for two weeks as a camp counselor in my own house. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That means you have to play with them and stuff, doesn't it? <laughs> well, and I like, I'm, I'm good with play, but like, I am not a helicopter parent. I like getting my kids started and then I love their imaginations exploding. So to, to so make sure your listener. I hope you guys hear this. This is not helicopter parenting. This is equipping your kids to explore and play and create parenting, but also connecting too. Um, behind the scenes, I told David, I'm like, we got two weeks on the calendar. Boom. That's all I can do. And then we got to the end of that two weeks and it was going so well. The kids were creative. They were playing cooperatively. They were fighting less. They were, um, you know, making longer eye contact. They were more interested in reading. And I'm like, why would we ever go back? no way we're going to keep going. And so we did, we didn't tell the kids it was going to be two weeks. So we were able to do that. (laughs) So if you have younger kids and you can keep it open-ended, do that. But if you have like tweens and teens, they're going to say, I'm sorry, what, how long are we doing this thing for? So the detoxes look a little different for older kids. Oh, good. I'm glad you brought that up. So you you recommend this for children of all ages? I mean, should I try it? (laughs) I can't. Never mind. (laughs) Okay. You can. You can, Allison. And the last chapter of the book is about technology for mom and dad. So mm. the book is really tailored for parents. Of I'm kids, sorry, like Molly, we're out of 12. time. We're just not going to be able to go on this. I love it. I'm not sure how a tech podcaster can go uh, more than a couple of days without it. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that maybe. <laughs> I think we should do it like a sugar cleanse. Let's try it. Well, I'm going to uh, Iceland for two weeks and I won't be able to do much tech. So it'll be a, a small thing. But uh, OK, so okay. you, you uh, took your kids off indefinitely. But in your book, you talk about two weeks, right? Yeah. The goal here is not to eliminate all technology forever. We love technology. You love technology. Um, The goal is just to put it in its right place. So the families I help are people who are saying, we like technology. It's just taken over too much of our time. It's filled all these gaps. It's bringing out these things in our kids that we don't like. We want to take a minute, like a cleanse diet, like a whole 30. And then we're going to take all of it out and we're going to observe our kids. We're going to help them develop these skills and these talents and feed their giftings and all of this good stuff that's going to benefit them throughout their lives. And then we're going to make a long-term plan where technology is working for us. Like when you clean out a closet, you take it all out and you only put Mm -hmm. back the things that serve you. It's like that. Oh, I'm a huge believer in that. I talk about that that exact example all the time. So, Lindsay, you did the first two weeks digital detox, right, with Forbes? I did, yes. How did that proceed? How did you, did you explain it to him ahead of time? What was the process? I did. So, actively, while I was reading the first half of Molly's book, I was talking to Forbes about the two weeks that we were, that was going to come up. We looked at the calendar. We found two weeks that, that would work. We had a ton of activities, sports going on. So it made sense. And then we did it. We we ripped the band-aid off. There was no Minecraft. There were no cartoons. There were there were no iPads out at dinner. And it was it was amazing. I I really had my reservations going into it. I was like, there's no way. This sounds way too good to be true. I was such a skeptic about it. 
And Forbes was stoked about it. He was telling his cousins that he's on a detox, which admittedly sounded a little bit weird. So I had to explain to them what that meant. (laughs) Um, And he, he was completely different. He was not bored, which was the main thing I was thinking. I'm going to have to sit with him and play with him all the time. And I love playing with him, but I only have so many hours in the day. And honestly, the hardest part of the detox was when we went to mom, your house and trying to get Mr. Steve Sheridan to not watch TV with Forbes was the (laughs) hardest part because he was like, what am I supposed to do with them? I have to talk to them. I have (laughs) <laughs> and um, I didn't want to negatively reinforce the fact that he takes care of them in the mornings for us, which is great. But it was a transformation that I was really not expecting. I was thrilled with it. Now, to be fair, Steve did the digital detox there where he did not play on his computer or what, or he may have played on his computer, but he turned the TV off, which was, uh, he's still whining about it. it. That was like two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, let's see. A couple of things I haven't figured out about how this works. Your daughter, Sayla, is brilliant, and she's really interested in programming. I had so much fun talking to her recently about how she's working uh, with a 3D printer and designing some of her own parts. And, and you know, I personally think that should be encouraged like crazy. How does that fit into a digital detox? Isn't that screen time? That's a great question. So if we're talking about during the two-week detox itself, and I go through this in the book, If kids are using technology for school, for example, you know, if their teachers use it in the classroom or if they have to complete an assignment, we we allowed that. Um, I was homeschooling two of our kids at the time of our detox and their math curriculum was online. And of course, they still had to do their math during our detox. But not so much dopamine during that part, right? No, not as much. Only from the excitement of math. Yeah, exactly. Math is so thrilling. But during the long-term plan, and here's where it really helps to look less at like time and more as the function of like, how is our technology serving us? We in our house like to use technology to create and we like to use it to connect with each other. And we don't really monitor when we're using it in those ways. That's a great use of technology. So when when my kids are using technology to look up recipes and then cook food for the family, awesome. They're using technology to, you know, take this 3D printer class, computer programming. That's her elective of choice next year. Cool. Good for her. That's amazing. Um, so we fully support all of that. It's the isolating and consuming that we kind of put up that red light. Like, you know what? We took that completely out of the picture after our detox. We saw that that is what was really causing the problem in our home. And that's what a lot of families find is when our kids are isolating and they're consuming technology, that is where it gets really harmful to them. And we see that too, as kids get older, we've had some foster teens come in and out of our home and we got to see, you know, up close the way that social media really can harm these kids, these teenagers who are still learning everything about who they are and their place in the world. And now they're being pushed into this cutthroat world of projecting your your image out there before you've done that internal work of like, who am I? And am I fully known? Am I fully loved by my parents? And, you know, what is that like? And my friends, now they're being judged publicly and, and their whole self-worth is, is already so fragile. So, you know, we've taken a generation of kids, we put them in this in this impossible position. And we're seeing the effects of it. Um, We saw that during COVID actually ER visits for 12 to 17 year old girls doubled for eating disorders. Oh, wow. um, Tripled for tick disorders, which they thought these girls will come in. This is wall street journal just covered this recently. These girls were coming into the ER with what looked like Tourette's. They were having these 
ticks. And they would research a little closer and they'd say, oh, no, this is actually like this social contagion. It's a um, they're watching TikToks oh. videos on these ticks and they start developing them. It's wow. so unusual, but that's what's happening. And so we're seeing we're watching this play out, probably parents like me and then and Lindsay and with younger kids. And we're we're watching it and we're saying, hey, this is the giant experiment that that we've been putting on our kids and they're growing up and it's not serving them well. So let's rewind and go back and let's put it in its right place so that these kids can grow up and um, use technology as a tool. I recently, maybe about probably six months ago, I gave up Facebook and Instagram because evil. And I didn't actually like it that much in the first place, but I spent a lot of time on it. And so leaving it was good. But the flip side of of leaving something like that and and maybe not letting your kids into that in the first place when they're too young is I have lost communication with my own immediate family. I never see what Molly and her kids are doing. I have been told by my friends something Lindsay did, something uh, Kennedy did, Kyle and Nikki's daughter. Uh, I try to tell somebody a story and they'll say, oh, yeah, I already saw that on Instagram. And so I, I'm isolated and, and losing touch with my family because so, so you talk about that interaction with your friends and family, but at the same time, I'm really glad I left. So I, I just wonder what happens to kids as they grow up and, and maybe they're teenagers or tweens, like you say, and they're not on any kind of social media. They don't have that connection. That's, that's a tough call. Absolutely. So I really encourage parents to... Um, to be the house where the kids are coming over and your mm. kids are to really promote that time to connect with your kids with to connect your kids with their friends in real life, in real life, because that's really that's where weird, Molly. I don't magic know. Happens. I don't know about that. <laughs> Can you explain that? Define those terms again? Yeah, no, I completely, but it is difficult. Um, kids do get left out. And that's actually what led us to Sayla, who's going into seventh grade. She actually has a dumb phone. We got her one. Um, we had her, I think it was last summer. She came to us and said, can I get a phone? And we're like, well, tell us about that. Like, what do you want to accomplish with that? Like, what did, what do you hope to get out of getting a phone? Why don't you write us a letter, get your thoughts, out on paper and then tell us tonight after dinner, like we'll sit down just the three of us, mom, dad, and you. I'm glad you didn't make her use PowerPoint. Good move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and she did. And it turned out that what she wanted it for was such a good reason. She wanted to be able to connect with her friends at school who are in these group chats to connect with friends, to make plans and, and chit chat. I'm like, that's a great reason to want a phone. So just texting. Texting. Now we actually found our, the first thing we did was we're like, well, we'll set up an Apple ID for you and we'll keep the the laptop in the kitchen and you can message your friends as much as you want to, but she would forget about it. Anyway, for the next thing, the next thing we moved on to was a gab phone, that dumb phone, which is a great starter phone for your kids. It's G-A-B-B. Um, there's no internet and there's no app store. So your kids can call and text and they can take pictures if you choose to have that, but it's really just a phone. Um, it's a great way to get your kids started. They can still talk to their friends. Did, um, without she, did she have to learn like K9 for texting? <laughs> kids ask your parents. Please tell me there's there's Snake on that phone. Snake, the game from the old. No, notes. unfortunately. <laughs> oh, I miss Snake. That was a good game. But it wouldn't fit into the into this plan. So as you're doing the digital detox with your your kids and and. How did you deal with the fact that you are on Instagram and Instagram is part of what you're doing with promoting your book and and that's how you started helping people? How do you how do you do that and be you at the same time be able to do it you and David? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And 
the way I see it is, you know, we use technology to connect with people and we use it to create. And that's what I love using Instagram for. Instagram can be a super sticky place for me too. And I talk about that in the last chapter of the book. And so I did detox myself at one point I was writing it. And as I'm writing the book, I'm like, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to detox myself. (laughs) But if you write it, you have to, right? You have to. Yeah. So I did it. And I'm so glad I did. Like you had said, and truly for most adults, it is a modified detox because most parents are working or they use it to, you know, make doctor's appointments or order groceries and all of the things, put library books on hold. So we can't really put our phone in a lockbox for two weeks. It, it, it needs to be modified. Um, but that's also a really good conversation to have with your kids that look, technology, even social media, these apps can serve us so well. Like what cool things that humans have created for us to connect with each other, for us to make life easier or more efficient. But we need to use things properly. I mean, it's like a knife. A knife is a tool. It can be a great tool for surgeons using scalpels for chefs making incredible food, but it can also be really dangerous. If you get it, give a knife to a young kid, that's not safe. So it's just teaching our kids the skills they need, wisdom and discernment so that as they get older and as they prepare to launch, they're ready to take on these tools and this digital world with the wisdom and discernment they need to navigate it. How did you deal with that, Lind? Yeah, the way I approached that with Forbes, for those two weeks, I said, Forbes, you are my keeper. If you see me scrolling on my phone, you call me out. And he loved that because he'd be like, mom, screen time. <laughs> and and I had to, and I had to put it down. And it really did help me because there's so often that I find myself scrolling and then I sit back and I'm thinking, did I even just enjoy the last 45 minutes that I was staring at my phone? I don't even know what I stared at my phone for. And um, yeah, giving giving littles power to tell you to do something, that's just a gift in and of itself that they love. <laughs> Oh, he's going to be the best hall monitor. There's words you're not allowed to say. Uh, oh, yeah. Lindsay said, I think she was talking about a politician or something, and she called them a dum-dum. And I heard Forbes in the background going, who are you calling a dum-dum? You can't say that. <laughs> and it's like, it's a really good lesson at how many times we are just insulting people in our general language. So yeah, he's going to be the hall monitor everybody's afraid of. <laughs> yeah, I think the other kids might hate him eventually. We'll see. <laughs> That's no, possible. That's awesome. But I do I do know what you're talking about, Lindsay. I get into a I I I call it a twitchy thing where I I'm on my laptop and I I bring up I don't do Facebook or or Instagram, but I go I go into Slack where I talk to my community for my podcast and I don't find anything there. So I watch Twitter, I go through Twitter for a little while and then I get angry and so I have to leave that. And so I go over and I watch some TikTok for a while, but then I really don't feel like TikTok. So I go over and I check my mail still hasn't come in. Anybody do, giving me any messages? Let me go over to Telegram. Did I get a picture of my dog? No, let me go back to and and I'm just going in this circle and I'm and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, and I'm not enjoying it. And it's but it's really hard to just shut it. And luckily I can cross stitch or or crochet or something to get my brain off of it. And that's the only way I can break it. I can't just not do it. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And it's, this is also what I talk about in the last chapter. What I, I relate to that so much during my own detox is that it's, we're going, we're turning to our technology more out of a habit than out of trying to use it as a tool, like that it's actually going to serve us in some way. Um, so when I detoxed myself, that's what I appreciated about it so much was that it gave me so much time back in my day. <laughs> I read, I read more books and I love to read, but yeah, you just reach and scroll out of habit and then toggle. Like, did I do today's wordle? Did I, do I have any new email? You know, all of those things. Yeah. It can be really, really fun. Lindsay, I love that you detoxed with Forbes. I think that is awesome. 
I think I love that you brought up the books piece because that that was a piece of the book that I also did not anticipate was the focus on reading. And Forbes, when we did our detox, it was in kindergarten and um, he was progressing at a normal rate, but but it didn't feel like his reading was taking off the way I, as an avid reader myself, as I would have hoped he would have taken off. And we did the detox and we went to the library like Molly suggested. She has a ton of amazing recommendations in the book for books that are um, that are specific to age categories. So we we took that list and we went right to the library and Forbes got to pick them out. It was the first time we'd been back to the library since COVID. And he completely went off the charts in reading. It was like overnight he was able to read phenomenally. I could mom, I don't know if you noticed the the difference over the course of a month that he just, he started reading so much and I couldn't stop him. He was, he was just on a trajectory <laughs> that was, that was unstoppable. And we actually took the, the games that he loved Minecraft being one of them. And they have an, I can read Minecraft series. So instead of playing on Minecraft, he was reading about Minecraft and he loved the stories. It was, and still is so fun for him. I definitely noticed the increase in his reading, but I did not know that that was because of the de- detox. That it was it was right around that same time. I didn't I didn't ever put those pieces together. I figured Lindsay was just being rough on on him because she was a fluent reader at three years old, and I, I'm not exaggerating. You can ask Grandma about this this story of her reading out loud from the uh, San Diego Tribune at a wedding. Uh, we were it was a night before a wedding, and I had her reading out loud, like just grab the the newspaper, and she was able to read most of it by yourself. So I figured she's just being rough on Forbes. You know, that's a tough bar to to jump over. Okay. That's amazing. Um, And I love that you shared that, Lindsay, because we found the same in our detox and so many parents share similar stories. And we see that with our high readers and our low readers. Like one of my kids was already an avid reader. And I thought she was in third grade at the time. She was reading at, I want to say like a seventh grade level and, and, but screen time daily, you know, in one or two hours a day of play, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. She's, you know, she's a good reader anyway. But when we did our detox and the months that followed, they tested her reading before and after. And over the span of several months, she grew five grade levels in reading. So in third grade, she was reading at a 12th grade level and her interest just took off. So it, it turns out when she'd hit a boredom wall before she would just say, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll go on YouTube or whatever. I'll use my screen time. Well, when that's off the table, she would go, well, I guess I'll read a book. I'll guess I'll read two books. I'll guess I'll read three, you know? And and so sometimes when we have those high readers, we settle for, hey, they're already reading great. You know, Mm. they're already ahead when they can actually skyrocket and we can, you know, be the wind in their sails and watch them fly. And also with those, um, I had another kiddo who was not interested in reading at all. And I just thought, well, that some kids don't like to read. That's fine. He's into other things. Well, then our detox happened and it took a little bit of matchmaking, book matchmaking. I talk about this in the book too, how parents could do this for their kids and just finding that right genre. And just like you did, Lindsay, finding things they're interested in, not books on their own, but like, okay, the Minecraft games, whatever, like hooking them on books based on the topic rather than necessarily what librarians say are amazing. Like some kids don't like the Newberry medal winners. Some kids want, you know, nonfiction or joke books or whatever. So there's absolutely a way to hook your kids. So, yeah. I never thought about that. My strategy with raising my children was always they should like everything I like. 
So I would, I would only show them the things that I thought were interesting. Like I would have, uh, I, I remember trying to get Lindsay to read uh, the Lassie series of books because I was addicted to Lassie and Lad a Dog and uh, oh, Trevor was the tricolor collie. I still remember those books. I still have one of them and that's what I would push her towards. But that isn't necessarily her interest. And, and if it's not sticking, it doesn't mean they don't like to read is what you're saying? Absolutely. And I share that with you, Allison. I'm like, some of my kids are into fantasy and I'm like, fantasy, come on. That's, that's so, I mean, I mean, that's so great that you like that. Good on you. Can I push a babysitter's club book on you instead? <laughs> exactly. I know. I know David and I, David's pushing like the mystery suspense to our kids. And I'm like, try this. Yeah. Babysitter's club book instead. So yeah, but they're all, they all have different interests. And that's one really fun thing about the detox is getting to know your kids like never before. And I didn't, I didn't appreciate that there is like this attentional filter that's kind of standing in the way when, when they're just thinking, when's my next hit of screen time? When's my next dopamine hit? They're not (laughs) reaching in their imagination and showing you where they want to stay, where they want to play a little longer. Are they super into cooking? Do they like building things? Do they want to ride their bike in circles on, you know, in the front yard for two hours? Like, where do you, like, how do we get to know our kids and how do we, um, bring in the books, the equipment, the toys, the play, all of the things that are going to give us better insight to how our kids are wired and maybe what they're going to be when they grow up. And it's just a really great opportunity. So watching that is the best part of the detox by far. And one of the things that your kids started to do was they, they actually started to create games. Yeah. They made a, um, they just, you know, when they hit those boredom walls, instead of like asking for screen time, they would just go, well, we better make the best of this thing. So I remember one time I walked in on them building couch forts and they would build couch forts before, but it would last like 10 minutes and then they'd get bored and then they'd ask for a show. And now when they're like, oh, it's not even on the table today, they build a couch fort. They were, they did this for like two or three hours. I overheard them having an election (laughs) voting for a mayor. They they were like, okay, it's happy hour. And everyone started cheering. I'm like, what, (laughs) what are they doing in this town? And then the one of the kids said, happy hour means the library is open today for an additional hour. Oh, I'm like, oh, that's so cute. (laughs) So, but all this sweet stuff. And of course it's peppered with, with real life. Like I am not going to front like there are no conflicts. There are, you will see your kids, the good, the bad, and the ugly, like never before during your detox. But that's good because we need that as parents. We need those indicator lights of, oh, this kid cannot sit still for beans and they're about to start kindergarten. Like maybe we need to work on that. Maybe they need to learn that skill or this kid can't take turns or this kid doesn't know how to have a back and forth conversation with a grown up. They don't know eye contact or how to shake a hand. That's not like we don't have to panic. We just need to we take note and then we say, "Oh, I get to I'm the person who gets to help them learn that skill that they get to use for life. What a privilege that I have as their mom." Um and so it's really just a, a cool opportunity and we we had so many and continue to have so many of those moments with our own kids. I love the piece on the boredom wall. I think you say in your book that you they need to learn how to navigate the boredom. They, it's something that they have never had to do before because the screens have always been there. And um, you suggested making a list of all of the items going into the detox, making a list of things you could do with, or that the child could do when they're bored. And we did that, except we had Forbes write everything down on a piece of paper and then turned it into arts and crafts. You had to cut everything out 
put them all in a jar. So anytime he said he was bored, he would pick something out of the jar. And that activity in and of itself was a great non-screen time activity. And all the time he goes back to that jar and he's like, what should we do today? Make a pillow fort is one of the items on the list. And he just, he loves it. It's great. Well, that's really interesting. That's awesome. And he's the one who thought him up, right? Exactly. I mean, did you help him too? throw in some ideas, but I threw in some ideas. Um, chores are always on, on that list. And that's another Mollyism that if they, if they really can't think of anything to do, we have a long list of chores here for you to do. So you better think of something on your own. Yeah. I don't think Forbes was doing chores before this, was he? He, he was doing his, his put away silverware. I don't know if people out there have seen the silverware dance that he does, but that was pretty much his only chore. Um, now we have a longer list of things that he can do it at age five. If it's okay, we should put a link to, we should uh, post a link to the, the silverware dance. Cause it is, it is epic. And now, now Sienna is, uh, she's two and she's starting to put silverware away. She dances to a different song, but you know, that's how you just got to understand your own child. Right, Molly? <laughs> Absolutely. That's the best, Lindsay. I've seen the dance. It's, it is, it needs to be made into a GIF. <laughs> it needs to be internet famous. It's so cute. It's definitely, definitely good stuff. Now, in, in putting uh, back to technology for its place, I know Caroline uh, really likes to draw and, and design. She's into like drawing dresses and things. Is that right? Do I remember that correctly? Oh, yeah. Anything pink, sparkly, girly, that's Caroline. And she will, yeah, she loves to write stories and draw pictures of princesses and makeup and all of it. No, does so she it's, do it's that really only fun. with crayons and paper or is she allowed to use an iPad app to do that, for example? So we stick with crayons and paper. Um, and I, one of her aunties bought her a makeup kit with makeup that actually works. So it's like face paint. So sometimes my girls will put makeup on each other and they will come out looking like Mimi, Mimi from the Drew Carey show. I don't know if you remember her with like blue eyeshadow. I'm like, oh gosh, that's so colorful, you know? <laughs> okay. But it's fun. Oh, that is interesting. Um, I, I've did, I did a, uh, a blog post that I entitled, um, use a, p a paper and a pencil when you need to think. Uh, I actually do it on, on an iPad, but the, it's a basically like writing with a pencil and paper, and it, except I can save it. And I find that it's a better way to think when I have to draw it with my hand than if I try to type out what I'm thinking. Yeah, they've actually studied this. They're, it's really interesting. People retain information better when they write it with a pen or pencil. Um, and reading physical books, people retain information better than reading from a Kindle. Our kids have Kindles. They use it in a pinch if they like finish a book in a series and they can't get the paperback right then, but we can download it from the library. I, I think that's great. Um, if you like reading that way, that's awesome. But, um, but yeah, they've studied that. It's really interesting. I have another example that that just reminded me of. There was one mom I helped through her kids detox and her son had some sensory processing issues and he couldn't hold a pencil and he'd been working, couldn't write with it, had no interest in it. He'd been working with um, occupational therapists to try and figure this out. And it was, he had several different kinds of pencils, furry pencils, sticky pencils, uh, you know, ones that made noise, all the, all the, the things. And it wasn't until his detox that he walked over without any prompting, sat down, picked up a pencil and drew his first stick figure. And it was, and that kind of goes to the point where, parents today, what we need to realize is it's not the lack of available options for our kids. Kids today have more books and toys and play 
options than ever before. It's the lack of interest. And the reason is because they're being chronically overstimulated and numbed out on their digital entertainment. But it's not all bad news because parents, we can so simply fix this. And I lay it all out in the book. The detox is so simple. So any parent can do this. I promise you don't have to be like Pinteresty or crafty or a certain <laughs> kind of parent. You don't have to be super organized even. It's, it's any parent can do this thing. So we've talked about the detox itself and you, you apparently tell parents do the detox, start the detox, then stop, stop reading the book, do the detox and then come to the second half. Is that right? Yeah. So I recommend you at least finish the first half of the book before you at least finish the detox portion before you start your detox. Um, because I break it down really into four steps of every successful detox with all the parents I've helped these, they need to, they're like four components to every successful one. And so those are four of the first chapters of the book and then really how to hook your kids on reading. And then I don't want to overwhelm parents. If you want to read the whole thing before you start, you can, but the second half of the book is really about forming a long-term plan that works for your family. And that's, that's going to look a little different for every family. If there are families who together love, you know, computer programming or whatever it is you like to do, make it work for you. And I think that's a beautiful thing, the way that parents are paired with their kids and usually share common interests. Um, but yeah, I say at least finish the first half before you start your detox. It'll answer a lot of questions before you ask them. So what kind of things go into the, to making the long-term plan? Is that something where you work together with the kid to get them to agree to it? Well, it probably depends on how old your kids are. Um, yeah, they're six-year-olds. Using... How are they doing it? Making deals. <laughs> yeah, We're exactly. Really Boiling and dealing over there. <laughs> really? <laughs> What were you going to say? So, yeah, no, I was going to say, but you know, part of it is taking your observations from those two weeks and using that in conjunction with the, what I write out as the broad parameters for long-term plan ideas, and then putting those two together as parents, because you know, your kid, parents know their kids better than anyone else. You know, you, you know, your kids better than I know your, I don't know your kid, but you know, you can see how they're wired and you can see what their triggers are. And as one um, child psychiatrist said, with this new interactive, highly immersive digital entertainment, we really need to view it more like doses. And you can see, and I have six kids and I can see these doses, the different kids are impacted differently. So when you're making that long-term plan, you I know that one of my kids cannot handle 15 minutes on a tablet or, or they're gone for the day. I can't get them back. It's oh, just, wow. and, and you might find if you're listening, if you have kids with ADHD um, kids with trauma backgrounds, they're, those kids are more susceptible to negative responses from immersive digital entertainment. So, you know, you know, your kids study your kids and then you'll make your plan. I have sample plans in the long-term plan section of the book. You can kind of like a Chipotle line. You can take these rules, <laughs> ditch these, you know, guacamole's extra, whatever, make your plan how you want to make it work for you. Oh, how interesting. Now, you started to look at that part, right, Lindsay? Have you made a long-term plan yet? Yeah, so we don't have our plan written down, and I am terrible and have not finished the second half, but I, I have a vague plan in my head. One of the one of the items, we've talked about Minecraft way too much, but I found that Forbes's handling of Minecraft completely changed after I detoxed. Before, Mom, you mentioned that he would play and he's zoned out. Now, when he, our, our rule for Minecraft he plays it 
when his cousin is also online and they can create something together and they're talking to each other and they're interacting and he he'll he'll stop and he'll talk to us and say mom dad look at this cool fort i built and he's he's interactive while he's playing the video game and we do have a time limit set on it and we're going to be closely monitoring to make sure we don't kind of slip back into what used to happen but now it's changed from a mind-numbing activity to a creation activity that's also interactive with his friends so it's been it's been good I think you also said as part of your plan that uh, talking to his grandmother on the phone on on FaceTime was considered okie dokie. Absolutely. Yes. He's still, he's not great at holding the camera steady where that's one of, one of our pain points, but we're working on it. Well, I think he enjoys just spinning it around just to see if he can make me throw up. But uh, hey, any minute I can be on the phone with him, uh, I can be on FaceTime with him is great. Um, Do do you have any restrictions on things like FaceTime? I mean, you've got a lot of family that's close by, but you probably have some that are far away, don't you, Molly? Yeah. Yeah. We we used FaceTime a lot during the early parts of the pandemic when no one was going anywhere and we could meet with cousins and all of that. So that was really fun. I have found sometimes that... um, especially my younger kids, if they want to talk to a cousin on FaceTime, they're spending more time like pushing emojis or whatever weird things they do. And they're like not entirely interacting with the person they're trying to talk to. So I try and keep it in like a, an area where I can keep tabs to hear if they're just, you know, staring at themselves and if they're just goofing around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, FaceTime can be an, a fantastic way to it's, you know, technology is a tool to connect. It's awesome. Right, right. Well, I think this whole thing is really interesting. Molly, what I love is that the book is about specific targeted planning. It's not fluffy. It's not just, oh, there's this terrible problem and you should do this one thing and the world will be better. You're giving people step-by-step instructions along with the flexibility to mix and match. And I think part of your superpower is the fact that you have a sample set of six children that if you only had two, you would think, okay, this is what works. But the combination of that and the fact that you've helped a lot of other parents do it, I'm assuming your process that you recommend mutated and formed more the more people you helped. Yeah, that's spot on. I I basically wrote the book that I wish I had when we started our detox. I was kind of off-roading there, just like making stuff up as I went. And then as I watched it play out and saw what worked and kept that and got rid of the stuff that didn't work, I was kind of left with these broad ideas. And then I would share them with people and they're like, this worked, this helped us more than anything. And I would keep all those things, put them in the book. And one thing I noticed in researching and writing the book was I read stacks of from experts across the spectrum, MIT professor, psychiatrist, psychologist, all all kinds of experts saying, this is a huge problem. Here's, Here's my insight on the problem from my discipline. And it was a little overwhelming, but, and only once in a while would you get a line that's like, you can totally reverse the effects of this by a digital detox. And I'm like, tell us that. Tell us all of the things about that. <laughs> what do we do about it? Exactly. So I wanted to write a book that like a parent or a grandparent or a caregiver could get and read in the in-between moments of the day or as they're falling asleep and just so practical. Just this is what you do when the kids are revolting. Or this is what you do when um, revolting meaning as in the <laughs> meaning of like throwing a revolt, not like revolts. Revolting. <laughs> All children are revolting after a certain point, I think. But <laughs> So, yeah, I ho- I'm encouraged that the feedback so far is that it's helping families. And Lindsay, I love hearing about Forbes. He's such a cool kid. And I, I just love the way that the detox has helped you guys. It's so good. Thank you. We appreciate everything from the book. It has been it's been phenomenal. Very good. Well, uh, give us the full name of the book again, Molly. 
Yeah. The book is called Digital Detox, the two-week tech reset for kids. You can find it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target.com. I don't know if your listeners have books a million, but pretty much anywhere. If you Google it, you can find it. And also you can find me at mollydefrank.com. When you order the book, I have a bunch of incentives for you too. I've got, if you are on board with a detox, but your spouse isn't, I have a free PDF. It's how to convince your spouse. So you can let me at them and save the marital conflict. Just hand them this PDF. Um, I've got a hundred ideas for screen-free fun, um, all kinds of good stuff. So you can find that on mollydefrank.com. Now, the real question is, Lindsay, do you think I can try that on your father? I think you should. It worked on Nolan. <laughs> That's awesome. I can mail it anonymously, Allison, if you want. Yeah, yeah. Just It'll just show up in his mailbox. That, that's a good idea. We'll just have to make sure he never listened to, to this. Yeah. And uh, Lindsay, uh, people can find you, what, on Twitter is probably the best place? Yes, at Idaho Monkeys, M-O-N-K-E-E-S. All right. Very good. And someday I'll find out what that means. Thank you both. This was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I, I feel like reading the book, even though I'm not going to, I don't have anybody to practice it on that, that we're allowed to tell them I'm practicing it on. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Allison. Thank you. Bye, Lindsay. Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the PodFeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the Nocilla Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other Nocilla Castaways. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.